I have the profound opportunity to come to you today with a message that has been brewing inside of me all my life. It's like a fire in my belly that I can no longer contain. And I am so excited to be here today to get to finally get it out. The message is simple and it's this. We are called to reclaim our holy identity and live out our truth as God's chosen people. Last week, Tracy started this series about taking back the table. And she talked about how we have to live out our story of God's transforming grace. Well, today I get to talk to you about my story in hopes that in it you may hear your story so that together we can begin to live our story as a congregation, as a people called and specifically chosen by God. We must reclaim our holy identity and stand in that truth. Well, some of you may know my story, but uh, let me give you an extremely brief version. Uh, When I was 13, I first heard about Jesus and decided to have a personal relationship with God. And I was so hungry for the, the word and the written word that I can remember sitting in my closet at night reading through the scriptures because I didn't want to keep my sister awake. <laughs> oh, how I'd read through those stories and how I loved the stories, the stories of God's faithfulness in our lives. I was so hungry for it that I became active in a church, and it was there in the church that I began to feel most alive as I began to use my gifts, the, the, the unique gift, giftedness that God had given me. You see, at 14, I I really had already experienced quite a bit of life, and I had lost my father, and I began to understand my unique uh, sexuality and how that made me different. But that sense that, that, that seemed like it broke me from the inside, you see, it's almost like the bread on the table, that sometimes we have to feel that brokenness to be able to share who we are with others. And so in the church, I began to use my unique giftedness that came both from my birthright and my life experience, and it, be, it drew me closer to others. I was able to be a little bit more in tune and more compassionate, more empathy with the people that I was sharing with. So I decided to go off to college and pursue full-time ministry. But when I arrived, years of hearing those voices became real for me, and I allowed myself to identify and claim those voices over the ones that I had experienced at 13. I began to hear that I could not live out my spiritual identity and live out my sexual identity. Now, I did not feel called to a life of celibacy, so (laughs) off into the wilderness I ran, and I ended up majoring in business instead, accounting, got an accounting major, ultimately got a master's in uh, business, and I began to put my ladder of success on... uh, a building called Business World, uh, oil and gas taxation was my trade, and uh, enjoyed it. And in my years in the wilderness, I learned a lot. But one day, I stepped into an MCC congregation. I was invited there by a friend. And when I entered those doors, I came home. I came home to myself and my God. And that is the story that I have. In that moment, I did hear a different voice remind me that indeed I could reconcile my sexual identity and my spiritual identity. So off to seminary I went, (laughs) removed my letter from that building and put it on a different building, thank God, 
And here I stand as one who completed seminary. I went off and did some chaplaincy training and did that for a couple of years. But really until I arrived here, all of that really didn't make sense to me. Those wilderness years really didn't make sense to me until I came here to serve you as your executive pastor. Now all that I am, all that I've been through, I can use to serve you and build up this body of Christ. Yes. Will you pray with me? Amazing, gracious God, indeed, you've called me here today. I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart will be pleasing in your sight, my rock and redeemer. Amen. Well, let me tell you about my first year in chaplaincy. Actually, it's my very first unit in chaplaincy. I was assigned the oncology unit. Now, I was terrified of the oncology unit because I thought I would arrive and have to walk with people that were dealing with some pretty heavy um, problems. I mean, they were coming to terms with their mortality. These were people that were dealing with cancer. But little did I know that I had missed the point. When I arrived there, I found that most people actually found refuge, found sanctuary as they approached death or as they looked at death. I found this, that many times they found a way to find refuge by coming back to themselves in that moment. You see, many of us spend a lifetime, like I did, putting on our grave clothes, burying ourselves with other people's words, with other people's truths, and denying our own genuine birthright giftedness. But people who are dying many times, not every time, but many times I found that they would find that freedom to take off those masks and the grave clothes and let go of those lifelong roles and self-expectations and come back to who they really were on the inside, their authentic self. Now, I'm not sure if they were too tired or if it was because life had become too short and too precious to pretend any longer, but those dealing with death learned how to come home to themselves and to God. Another peculiar thing I learned was that those that watched them do this, those family and friends that were around them many times, also had the courage to come home to themselves and to God. I think that any time someone has the courage to live life more deeply, even if it's a short period of time, they open up a door for us to walk through. And I believe that truly that's the purpose of the life, death, death and resurrection of Jesus. Jesus came to open up a door of truth for us. Jesus came to call us home to ourselves and to God. I uh, like to look at the life of Jesus and his ministry, and I sometimes relate it to my own, but I really believe that until Jesus heard that he was chosen and beloved by God, his ministry really didn't begin. Now, when he was 12, like me, he was really kind of hungry for the word. And so on a trip to Jerusalem with him and his family, he scurried off to the temple and he hung out with those teachers and he sat on those steps and he asked questions and he listened and he even provided his own wisdom. But it wasn't long that his family realized that they had made their trip back home without him, that they scurried back and grabbed him up and returned him to the life of a carpenter's son. He was denied his authentic self in that moment. But when he was an adult, he followed others to Jordan and he was baptized. And in the Gospels, we learn that when he was baptized, while he was praying, heaven opened up and the Holy Spirit descended upon him like a dove and declared him a beloved child of God. 
Now that truth was so earth-shattering for Jesus, he immediately ran off to the wilderness and stayed there for 40 days and nights. But the minute he took ownership that he was holy, that he was called, his life was not the same. He opened up a door for us, a door of freedom, and he gives us the strength to follow. Well, why is it so hard for us to believe that we're holy? Why is it so hard to grasp our chosenness? Uh, most of us comprehend that we're made from a holy creator, and we, we quickly recite that we're made in the image of the divine. But oh, how quickly we trade that off and grasp with both hands the image that we fall short of our divinity because of our humanity. Somehow we convince ourselves that it's easier to live down to the image of humanity than rise up to the image of our divinity. It seems that we understand that we arrive with a birthright giftedness, but then we spend a life covering ourselves and abandoning that to somebody else's truth. Maybe we're shamed or guilt into it, or maybe we just choose it out of fear. It's almost like we join, we look on our humanity and we join Adam and Eve and we look for those fig leaves to cover ourselves before God. And then we spend a lifetime behind the bush from the very one who created every detail of our being and called it good. It's as if the minute we look upon our nakedness, we spiral into an identity crisis. It divides our spiritual and physical self. And this identity crisis sends us on a tailspin, doesn't it? Well, thank God that we have Jesus who came to remind us that we can accept God's grace and take that transformative journey back to our sacred self. We can learn from Jesus, as we heard today, that we are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, and we belong to God that we might declare the praises of the one who called us out of the darkness and into the light. Truth is, if we remain in that identity crisis and we are unfaithful to our chosen holy identity, we're going to hurt ourselves and we're going to hurt others. We're going to make promises we cannot keep. We're going to build our houses on sand. We're going to have dreams that will devolve into nightmares if we're unfaithful to our chosen, holy identity. But the moment we hear those words, the moment we take ownership to those words and come to terms that we are sacred in the eyes of our Creator, we will live from a place of truth and that truth will set us free. The moment that we weave our humanity back into our divinity, we will come to the garden, we will come back home, to ourselves and to God, and we will decide to to live divided no more. We will no longer act in a way on the outside of us that is contradictory to something on the deep truth on the inside of us. Jesus came to separate that veil in the temple, the veil that keeps us from the holy. We are a royal priesthood, and now all we need is Jesus as our intercessory to come boldly to the throne It is when we do that we will truly become light of the world and salt of the earth. And I got news for you. We're pretty salty here. (laughs) We got some stories to tell. We can add unique flavor to the body of Christ that no one has outside of these walls but us. In Parker Palmer's book, Let Your Life Speak, 
He refers to this act of integrating our divinity and our humanity as the Rosa Parks decision because that remarkable woman, so emblematic of what the undivided life can mean, she showed us. We all know her story. It was the story of an African-American woman who did something that she was not supposed to do. She took a seat at the front of the bus that was reserved for whites. It was a dangerous, daring, and provocative act in a racist society. Now, she didn't sit down necessarily to launch a movement because her motives were more elementary than that. She sat down because she was tired. Her feet were tired. Her heart was tired. Her soul was tired from being denied her selfhood, her birthright giftedness. It was an existential truth of reclaiming that giftedness. And in that moment, she set in motion a process that changed the law and the lay of the land. We're called to do that. She decided in that moment not to act on the outside that differed from the deep truth on her inside. That is our call, to reclaim our holy identity, to put back together what we have allowed society and the world to separate, our divinity and our spirituality with our humanness. The world still waits for a truth that will set them free. My truth, your truth, our truth. The truth that was seated in the earth the day that we were created and the breath of the Spirit was breathed into our very humanness and called divine. And as long as we allowed other peoples to decide whether we're chosen or not, we will be caught in a net of a suffocating world. I know that uh, Proposition 2 probably broke a lot of our hearts. But for me, it was just a log on that ember and that fire in my belly. We have an unfinished calling because we have an unfinished world. Psalms 139 tells us, My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance and in your book were written all the days ordained for me. The great spiritual battle begins and never ends with reclaiming our chosenness because long before any human being saw as we were seen by God's loving eyes. Our preciousness, uniqueness, and individuality are not given to us by those in this clock time, but by an everlasting, one that has an everlasting time. And when the world asks you to prove your truth, to make sense out of it, you can join the one who was healed by Jesus himself from his blindness. You can go up to the Pharisees and say, I don't know where it's written in your book. I don't know where it's written in your religious code. All I know is I was blind and now I see. Yes. Then we will have officially taken back the table. That is when we will come and be filled with the bread of life and then we will more importantly become bread of life to the world. First Corinthians, we heard, isn't it obvious that God deliberately chose men and women that the culture overlooks and exploits and abuses, chose these nobodies to expose the hollow pretensions of the somebodies. It's our call resurrection to take back that table and reclaim our holy identity. Amen? Amen. I would like for you to uh, just get comfortable in your seat. I want us to have just a, an easy moment of healing. So if you'll bow with me.
gracious God. Indeed, you have called us home. It is us who have put on those grave clothes. We've put ourselves in the tomb. God, let us hear Jesus' voice today calling us forth like Lazarus who said, rise, be a resurrected people in this life for I have wrapped all eternity around you. Hear the voice of Jesus saying, unbind him and set him free. God, I ask that you would heal our hearts today. I ask that you would let us call upon you to claim you as our very own. Heal us this day, Lord, so we can answer that call. Help us take back your table so that the people outside of this walls that you're still trying to hear their, their, your voice, the people that you're still trying to call home, that we can find the strength to be the light and the salt. Thank you. For we know that our words bring healing and our prayers bring hope. We ask this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.